uh, go ahead and start our podcast here. And so uh, I think Andy's... Boom, that's Boom. the sign. We, we are now recording. Just like that. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to Shop Talk, brought to you by 124Go. I'm Chris Solomay, and this is... John Palmieri. And we're here with... Brian Purdue. And we wanted to do something a little bit special today. We've been running the podcast for a while, and we've had some really great guests on, as well as some nuggets that we've dropped. And so we wanted to do a little throwback of some of our best clips uh, that we've had so far. So I hope you enjoy uh, a lot of great nuggets here. Thanks to all the guests that have been with us to share. And uh, let's get into this thing. I thought was really special about that first conversation was that, you know, Brian talked about how he had a transformation in purpose. Right. So I think that comes first. Right. You know, what is the purpose of doing this? You talked about it first time. It was all about making money. Yeah. Um, yet when you decided to have a purpose change. Right. You know, things started to explode for you. Then that led to, well, vision, because now you have to share that. And I think one of the things we touched base on before we closed out the last podcast was if I'm not sharing a vision, there are other people doing it for me. And it may not necessarily align with the one that I have. So I think that's where we ended. And I know I'm excited to see, you know, um, where we take this next step. So let's get into it. Tell us about that vision, how you were able to share it and and where that thought in your mind came from that this is what I want to develop. And I'm going to cut you off even before you (laughs) you answer. (laughs) And the reason why is because. You know, the more I spend time with successful salon owners, Mm. successful hairdressers, um, successful bankers, lawyers, doctors, whatever, it's so interesting because this feels like a soft conversation. Mm. This feels, when you start to talk to me about vision, Mm. if I'm a busy owner Mm. who's maybe, you know, experiencing hostage syndrome to my business, my business is holding me hostage, or or I'm struggling to grow, It feels so silly for you to bring up vision. Right. Yet, I think we know Mm -hmm. that without that piece, you know, you talked a little bit about the ups and downs of of an accidental success or an overnight success or or a salon that just is cool in the moment. Yep. You know, it's kind of like that new bar that opens up that has a successful happy hour and three months later a new bar opens up and takes that happy hour. Yep. But it's the really, it's that long-term understanding of like, what is this business about? Where are we heading? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love that because I, uh, you said, what is it about? Right. And I think that is such a, a key component. And again, right. in, in sharing my story earlier, uh, to me, the, the business was just an avenue. It was a platform to impact other people's lives. As a businessman, yeah. what was the vehicle that I was going to use yeah. mm-hmm. to impact people's lives? And it is really, sometimes I find a lot of humor that I ended up in this industry because I certainly did not grow up as this creative person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but I just was, I landed here and this was the vehicle yeah. that I get to use yeah. in order to impact people's lives. Which is, by the way, insulting to a lot of salon owners mm-hmm. who say to themselves, how does somebody, you know, passion is our... Passion's the name of our game. And this if guy never even wanted yeah, to be a hairdresser. Yeah, this guy never even wanted to be a hairdresser. Okay. And so if you're that person, like, listen up, because you miss the boat. Passion is definitely cool to have, and it's you know, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. But unless I understand where I'm heading and have, like, some structure, some strategies, some systems to get me there, yeah. mm-hmm. then passion is just, it's, it's a... 
It's, it's a great good. thing to talk about. Well, let, right. let, me, let me say this. You know, um, and I appreciate you saying that, Chris. I can honestly say that um, many times I stand silently in awe mm-hmm. of the great artist and stylist totally. that I see. I will have to say, like, at the very beginning, you just have to kind of get your boots on the ground kind of thing. Like, you have to just meet people. Right. Um, and so I just put myself out there, really. I just, I drove to, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue and said, hey, do you guys ever have any events where I could come in and just do people's hair as they're walking by? Mm-hmm. Um, or I, you know, drove to, drove to, like, every wedding venue I could find in town. And just had a really nice menu and said, hey, I'm new in town. I do wedding hair. Um, if you'd like to come and get a blowout from me, um, you know, at no cost, feel free to come in any time. And they ended up being my clients. And then they sent their brides to me. And then they sent their mom to me. And then, you know. Right. So really getting your boots on the ground first. That's awesome. To everyone, everything. You know, hey, yes, I can do your hair tomorrow, you know. And now, now that I'm more advanced in my career, obviously I can say no because I have, you know, the ability to. But I think at the beginning, it's really just about putting the hard work in and getting out there. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that'll listen to this that have have gone through the relocation thing or are thinking about the relocation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And either way, I would say to them, you know, there's that moment where you realize it's kind of like a holy shit moment to where you're like, I. I got to go do this. Like I have to go get these people basically like letting people know anybody that wants to do, you know, anybody that's in a visible position or, you know, works inside of our salon group that wants to do a full on makeover, like a hair transformation that I can document all the way through audio or, you know, video, uh, photo. And it's such a cool thing to do that. I think most most, I would say, this is a true statement, new people growing, never think about that. And I hear a lot of people that get into the industry mm-hmm. that go like, you know, well, I don't do free services. Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, uh, that's something that you get to choose when you're, when you're busy, when you're busy, right? Yes, when you're, to, yes exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're new, you got to go get the butts in your chair, right? right. Like you got to get Sorry. people in your chair. Yeah. yeah they just don't show Sorry. up like magic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree with you and you saying like, I feel kind of late in the game. Like mm-hmm. I always feel like I'm a few years behind because currently, you know, I have 12,000 followers. Well, that was kind of a big deal three or four years ago, but now it's like, nah, you know, you kind of like, blink your eye until you hit someone with 50,000. Then you're like, Oh, okay. There's something, you know, but I also don't think that equates to money in your pocket. Essentially that just opens up more opportunities for you. When Um, when did you notice that it went from what what was the number that you all of a sudden said, this is when it's really starting to make a difference. Now I notice money in my pocket. In the salon. Yeah, in the salon. In the salon, right. Yeah. In the salon, it was probably around 3,000 followers. 3,000 followers. That I really felt like, okay, I'm having people reach out to me all the time. Right. My books are really full. Mm-hmm. You know, 
like this is good you know this i like this steady growth so three thousand i think is a good number because it's you know something people can look at tangibly but sorry not to rabbit trail too far off your you're question. doing great so, it's awesome as far as um what I do for social media to stay, you know, try to stay current. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes I'm just like, man, I don't have anything to post. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, I need to get out there, but I do like just going back to saying yes all the time. Like, I feel the same yeah, exact way right now, by the way. Right. I have a lot of like bloggers or like, photographers reach out and like, Hey, would you like to do a shoot? Or I physically reach out to them. And I'm like, you're a beautiful girl with blonde hair. Like let's do this next Monday. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's funny. So I tried that approach and I got blocked. They're like, but no, I mean, most people really, they just want to be in front of the camera and they yeah. want pretty pictures of themselves. So they don't care, you know, yeah, they yeah. don't care if it takes a few hours. Um, so I definitely, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm on a roll and I'm like, yes, I'm getting all these photo shoots in and I got such good content. And then sometimes just like anything, like you're in a little funk and you're like, shoot, I'm running out of content. Like I need to get something because you know, I definitely barely get good content while I'm working because working. I work with an assistant. Yeah. I'm double booked, triple booked. Like there's not, you know, because it takes me a good 10 to 15 minutes to take really good pictures of somebody. Yeah. And everyone says like, oh, just have your assistant do it. Well, hmm. my assistant doesn't take photos like I want them to look, right. you know, hmm. um, and I like I said, if I take 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. I take 50 plus pictures. Yeah to get one good picture. So it's not really about just handing the job over to somebody else because how you want your page to look and how you want your photos to look is still going to be determined by you. Yeah. Right. And that's going to be your, your taste, your style. And that translates to your followers, you know? So, um, but like, for instance, it's not always like that because yeah. just, you know, two weeks ago, I had this cute little girl come in. I did like a little braid on her. I did not have time to take pictures on her, but I just made it happen because mm -hmm. I was already running late. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take pictures for like 30 seconds. I took like one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I got to go. And, you know, like this past weekend, I was like, you know, I'm just going to post that picture. Like, it's not great. It was with my iPhone, People but I'm going to post it. it. It's been reposted like 15 or 20 times this weekend. Wow. wow. Like, Yep. Behind the chair, beyond, beyond the ponytail, Master mm -hmm. the Balayage, they all reposted it. I was like, I didn't even think that was that good, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, you surprise yourself with, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel yeah. like there's never one true answer for everything with social media. It's just like... So what is marketing to you? What is marketing? Like I'm yes. a I'm a salon owner stylist who mm -hmm. accidentally got busy and opened a salon. Does that mean you just have really pretty, really pretty business cards? Right, exactly. Uh, mean pretty business are, cards like, are what, important. What pretty pictures are important. I think um, for me and within our specific business, it is telling stories with intention. 
right? So whatever that intent may be, whether it is to inspire someone, whether it is to educate someone, whether it is to sell a product or sell a service or, you know, whatever that intent may be, whatever that goal may be. But nonetheless, there's a story there because, mm -hmm. and I mean, we're inundated with so many messages yeah. on a regular basis. So how do you break through all of that noise? Like how do you stand out in a crowd for a lack of better words? And for us and for everyone that I come in contact with that I'm working with or, you know, educating on this, it's always about just being intentional with what story you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, I'll dig a little bit deeper on that. If I do good hair, that's not enough? Unfortunately, no. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, you know what? Right, right, it right. can be enough. Right. But what are your goals? Are, are your goals to just do great hair and make your, you know, base 100 clients or however many you have happy or do you want to go beyond that? Do you want to grow beyond that? You know, everyone Everyone likes validation. I think it was Oprah that said, like, we all just want to be validated in life. And whether you get that validation through your, you know, your faith, your community, your trade, whatever it is, telling your story and marketing yourself and, and letting people know <laughs> what you do and, you know, that you take pride in it and, and how good you do what you do. That is it's it's necessary in this world if you want to be at a certain level and, and grow beyond that level. Right. So it only so makes silly. sense. Yeah. yeah, it only makes sense that sharing knowledge, sharing tricks, sharing failures, yeah. like those things are everyday things that we all deal with, whether mm -hmm. we want to admit it or not. And I know that, I mean, it is still a struggle because you do, it's intimidating to see all of these, you know, perfectly curated Instagram feeds and things like that. But we all know that there are so many failures behind like every success. Yeah. So opening the doors a little bit or opening the, the curtains to that, I think is, um, I think that's something that, that, that people really need to get on if you're not already on. And, and, and tell me if this makes sense from, you know, picking up what you've just said, those failures, that behind the scene stuff, the truth, the non-secrets, I'm gonna assume that tells a better story. All day. Yeah. I mean, it's more realistic, you know, like fairy tales are great and we all, you know, love mm -hmm. Disney for them, mm -hmm. but it's just not real life. And, you know, it started a few years ago with the hashtag no filter, mm -hmm. you know, like we, for so long, we were obsessed with using all of these crazy filters and, oh, my picture looks so much better because I did this. But in essence, the idea of no filter was, you know, showing someone's true self. One of the things I think that's really cool is as a business owner, you get to sit and look at your metrics, your KPIs as you call them, and see where your company is, what's moving, what's not, what's doing well, where you need to put some focus. Um, talk about for the independence, you know, because I think there's a lot of value with um, the Zizor app for them as well. So for the person who's an independent saying, I don't need to know my numbers, I don't need to watch this stuff, I'm here, I'm busy. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so one thing I've really gotten into is, is the data and I am really curious about what's possible. You know, um, I think it was May uh, 6th, 1954, Roger Bannister did something that everybody thought was impossible. 
impossible. In fact, the scientists of the day said it was humanly impossible to, to do, do what he did. Was he ran the four minute mile? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Or he broke the four minute yeah. mile barrier. That was considered like crazy. Yeah. And then a bunch of people did it right after. Two him. months later. Yeah. So think about that. In all of history, nobody did it. This guy does yeah. it in 1954. Two months later, the next guy does it. And yeah. you know, there's over. I think over 1,400 athletes, including high school athletes, who mm -hmm. have broken the four-minute mile. Yeah. Why? Because all of a sudden they understood, hey, it's possible to do it. So I'm looking at the data all the time and looking at what's possible. I see styles who are doing a half a million dollars a year yeah. in sales. You just had one recently. I saw it posted on your page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, Joe Craven, amazing. Yeah. It, what was cool about her was she saw um, a, a stylist out of Jeep Salon uh, who did two hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars at one of her data driven salon conferences mm -hmm. and she saw her do it. She was like, Oh my gosh, it's possible, I'm gonna do that. Now mm -hmm. Jill was doing about three hundred, you know, wow. which is not that, that's no that's not chunk yeah. change, right? Wow. Um, but when she realized that five hundred was possible, she set that as her as her sight and her goal. So to your question about what the independents can get out of this stuff, they really don't know what's possible. Mm -hmm. Like ask them, how are you doing? Right. They have zero data points to know whether, like I've, I talked to independents and I'm like, well, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Well, what does that mean? Right. Well, what are your total sales? Oh, I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. like 50,000 a year. Yeah. 50,000? Mm -hmm. Like, do you realize that you could do a half a million? Yeah. Right. And just for the sake of conversation here, I, to me, I, I, I consider an independent any person that stands at a chair, right? So, and the reason why I say that for the sake of this conversation is, <laughs> This isn't this isn't to be ignored by any hairstylist yeah. who can grasp the understanding that there are people. Uh, we just listened to our good friends podcast the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, the guys from Hair Street. Right. They interviewed a guy that lives in our market, Daniel mm -hmm. James Mason. Right. Shout out to that Great guy. guy dude. A, yeah, Great guy. Did a million dollars in services behind his chair. Now he works with a bunch of assistants. You know that type of thing. It take it takes what it takes to get there. Right. But the reality is that happened at one chair. Right. Um, or six chairs. If, if <laughs> I, think he, I think he worked six chairs himself. But but the idea is, who would have known that was possible unless this information gets shared? Yeah. So um, I'm really fascinated by those people that are top performers, and there's a yeah. common theme to them, right? Um, so one thing that I've noticed is. First of all, if you're a hair professional or anything, I don't care whether you're a baseball player or a hair professional, yeah. do you want to be average? Yeah. Like raise your hand if you want to be average. Mm -hmm. And most people will go, if they really think about it, they're like, uh, no, I don't want to be average. I want mm -hmm. to do my best. Yeah. So how do you know what your best is? Well, right. then you should benchmark against incredible people because it's possible. Yeah. It's totally possible. So one thing that people that I know that are high performers, one common theme is, they want to be the best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They don't have excuses. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. there's uh, there's the, this. The, I think it's called the six P's. Mm -hmm. um, are you guys familiar with the six P's? No, give I'm it not. to us. Yeah. Uh, the six P's are proper planning prevents piss, piss poor performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So so that's number that one. That was a trick question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's obvious, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The salon business is is a simple business. It's not easy, yeah. But it's simple. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The, so one of the themes are that people want to do well. So if they want to do well, they're mm -hmm. committed to be professionals, and not just in your in your technical skills, mm -hmm. but get your game on and be ready. Yeah. So they do their homework when they they know what staff it, or what, what clients are going to be walking in the door. Yeah. They know something. We've got a client. Um, her name is Miriam up in um, 
Uh, she's with Modern Salon up in Charlotte. Yeah. She's so committed to her clients. She loves her clients so much that mm -hmm. if she knows a client likes black coffee, mm -hmm. she greets them with a cup of black coffee. Yeah. I mean, that's total that's really nice. Right. I love that. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, let, let's talk about this for a second. I think we talk a lot about, you know, you, you just brought up what is it like to be one of those people that doesn't want to be average, right? They want to be exceptional. They want to they want to hit $500,000 in sales. Let's talk for a minute. What does average look like? Because I think for a lot of us, we don't know that we're, I mean, I mean this kindly, right? We don't know that we're stuck at average, right? When you look at what information you see on Zizor, what does the average stylist look like? Well, that is, there's, I can't answer that mm -hmm. because you could be average in total sales. You could sure. be average in, in uh, retail per client. You mm -hmm. could be, so I, I can't really a answer okay. that. Yeah. Most people are good at something mm -hmm. and not good at other things. Okay. Um, to me, average is somebody who's in the middle mm -hmm. of their salon, right? And then average, and that that person who's in the middle performance of their salon, mm -hmm. they should know whether they're in the middle, mm -hmm. right? Right. Mm -hmm. So for you, it's about awareness. Like most mm -hmm. people, number one, most people, uh, if they thought about it, they wouldn't want to be average. But we don't think about it, and then. Once I think about it, I need to know what average is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or what's good, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So even uh, even uh, Roger Bannister, the guy that broke the uh, the four mile, four minute mile, mm -hmm. he he had two people pacing him during that race. Mm -hmm. So once you decide you want to be good, don't be an island unto yourself. I in, immediately saw, and it was multiple different people, you know, multiple different interviews. So we only hired four people, but we went through a pretty big interview process. And what I was so disappointed by was it really felt like nobody was properly prepared for how to present themselves for an interview, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm talking showing up on time for an interview on time is late. <laughs> like, and we're talking people showing up 10, 15 minutes late texting that they didn't know they needed to get gas. And I'm not one that's just going to say like, Oh, this next generation of people as I'm a grandma millennial, by the way. So, you know, I'm like, I'm on the cusp. So I like take up a, a fence for millennials and I'm just like, okay, let's not just label these people. Were they not taught how to do this? right? Like our kids have to be taught how to obey and how to do the right things. Where are we missing creating a system for these people to know that you need to be on time for your interview, right? Mm -hmm. And that you need to show up with your hair done because by the way, we're in the beauty industry. industry. So your makeup needs to be done. Your hair needs to look good. It cannot be in a wet bun. And you might not need to be in a suit and heels, but you need to be reflecting your personality and how you're planning to show up to work as a stylist from the moment you step into that interview. Um, that was what? You mean sweatpants and a t-shirt don't work? Yeah, no, like athleisure even is like not okay, okay? Even if it's Lululemon, that's no, that's a no-go for me. That's close though, Lululemon's close, come on. Listen, listen, it, uh, Lululemon, I mean, I might let it slide, but you better have on cute shoes. At least they're branded, right? That's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we're branded. So that was like, that first, like the interview process, and then the um, just, 
so say you get hired coming to work on time and coming to work and being on your phone or not on your phone. The mm -hmm. things that you're discussing on the floor of the salon, right. the things you're talking with clients about at the shampoo bowl, mm -hmm. very simple things that can very quickly make or break your career, right? Yeah. And, you know, so for, for those people out there who go to the job interview with the sweatpants and the t-shirt and their hair in a wet bun and who come to, to the interview late, and if they, for some reason, do get the job and are on their phone all the time and are talking about inappropriate um, conversations at the shampoo bowl in the first week they're there, I hear you, but so what? Why is that important? Because here's the thing. Because if I knew it was important, I wouldn't be doing it, right? Right. So tell me why this is so, as that new person, all right, Missy, that's great, but why? Okay, so I think it's important because I think that you have to set yourself up for the job you want, not the job you have, right? So if you want to be a stylist that's commanding high prices, if you want to be a stylist who is respected by your clients and not getting the runaround by them, if you want to be a stylist that's respected by your coworkers or your boss, then you have to command respect yourself. And to me, that boils down into showing up on time, taking pride in how you show up to work. It's going to prove in the, it's going to take you down the trajectory of your job, just those few action steps of dressing like, if you want to be a high-end stylist that commands those prices, you have to show up looking like one. That doesn't mean you need to be in designer clothes. I shop at Target. But that means that I'm going to show up looking prepared for my clients when they come in. If I have a 9 o'clock client, I'm getting there at 8.30. A roadblock for people. You know, some people, I, I've done a lot of study about personality types. I'm like, a, I totally nerd out on that. And some people, it's just, some people are just naturally go-getters and some people aren't, and that's okay. So if you're naturally not someone that's going to come up with that go-get, grit, hustle attitude, then you need to be aligning yourself with the steps, small steps along the way that are going to get you there. And what I think when we were hitting on the kind of millennial topic, I think, you know, for instance, I love, I love TV. That is how I totally recharge myself. I don't really watch cable anymore because I want to be able to binge watch it. I want to be able to know that I'm going to start. <laughs> I want to know that you I'm going to be able to start something. Yeah. You want to take a day with Netflix, cozy, yes. shut the door and get through 13 episodes. Absolutely. So here's what, here's where I'm, ta I'm taking this. I'm telling you, I'm doing a Netflix analogy here. It's going to get real deep, you know, stay with me. Here. <laughs> Not at all. It's not getting that deep, but I do have a point. So when you start a show on Netflix, you know that you're going to be able to watch each of those shows and it's going to get you to what? The end, small right. steps along the way. So as I think this new generation, they are, they are constantly put with how to get from point A to point B very quickly, right? Yeah. If, you, if you want to finish this show... Now, by the way, we all, we all fall into that category. 100%. Here's the five steps to get to anywhere. Right. And so I think that it's just that reminder that 
there is an end game involved. And yes, it might take longer than being able to set up shop and watch your Netflix show over the weekend. But if you can show up to work on time, look professional, do these steps, follow formulas to get clients in your chair, you are going to see an end result. You just have to be told that that's what's going to get you there. They need to be able to see, and we all do, we all need to be able to know that what we're waking up and doing every day is going to have an end result, or else why are we doing it? Right. You know, for me, it's like, I think the thing that we, we a lot of people hide behind is their craft, you know? And the thing is, for me, I think personally, I was always told I would never... Like I said, I'd be, I am out to a house. I don't defame any of those things. I mean, I think everybody has a purpose in their life. And it's like, I always thought I was going to fall in this bracket of whatever someone told me to be. And it's like, I actually grew in a person that I never thought I'd ever be because of all those people. Right. And I think sometimes I find, especially in a lot of industries, you hear my daughter, she's, she's marching right now. Um, one of the things I noticed with, you know, when these people, these people, um, that amount in this industry is they, I think they think they get somewhere on their own. It's like, Oh no, sweetheart. Like someone helped you to get there. Someone pushed you in a direction or made you realize something inside yourself. You didn't see inside yourself. So I think for me, it's, I just really grateful for the people yeah. I've passed that across. Cause I would not be here today. It wasn't for those, those hand selected people. I can promise you. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe so. that's it. Hey, podcasters wanted to do a quick outtake here. In this part of the podcast, the sound got a little tweaked. Uh, we had just asked Leah her philosophy on being overprepared. Uh, she gave us a great answer. Um, enjoy it. So I think the thing is with people is, you know, we're expected as presenters to script our whole life out. But when you have a script, you, you talk from here, your, your head, and you forget to talk from your heart. And when you talk to your from your heart, you connect with people. And I think the thing is I've recognized and I – I know I have a really great ability too, is the connection with people because I do what they do. I have the same customers that they do. They just look different. I have really great customers and I have really shitty customers. You know, it's like, I still do hair behind the chair. And I find that the minute I walk on stage, people have this thing that they think that main stage artists do models and they do celebrities and all that's great. But the reality is it doesn't touch majority of the industry. Is it interesting to our industry? Yes. But to me, what makes me relatable to the consumer or to the audience is the fact that I speak from my heart, not from my head. And the minute I stopped writing down bullet points of things I had to cover, my classes became better and better and better. So I always tell people, the more you prepare, the more you will fail. It's just my opinion. So you just can't always over-prepare. You know, it's like, and I'm not saying don't prep. I'm not saying come unprepared, but I'm saying don't over-prepare for the so you, course, you know? That's, you've changed that. That's, that's evolved for you. Yes, it is completely evolved. I mean, for me, it's like, do I still prepare? Yes. But I also found myself like, and probably the last time I saw you, I was still working the same realm. And I found myself yeah. in like this hamster wheel. It was like I was running in this hamster wheel and I wasn't evolving. And I think what I started noticing was, you know, I'd walk into shows a little bit of a different attitude or... I would create a conversation with an audience I never did before. Like one of my biggest fears was a Q&A with an audience. You know, mm -hmm. I would never do that because I wasn't prepared for it. What happens yeah. if someone asks a question and I don't know the answer? 
what are they going to think about me? You know? So those things, I think once I stopped getting, I started going over those humps. That's when I started like evolving as a human being in general. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I'm curious, you know, Chris talked about evolution from being someone that was over-prepared and, you know, you expressed how I'm less, I don't go to that level anymore because I want to speak from my heart. Um, Yeah. Does that, you know, where did, how did that transition happen? Like what what I'm getting at is somewhere along the line, there was a trigger that said, you know what, I'm doing this wrong. You know, well, this isn't working quite as well as it used to work. Um, yep. What was that transition like for you? Like, how did you make that gap from being overprepared just ain't working like it used to? Yeah, I can give you Where the app. Is, I can give you the exact moment it happened. I was in, oh, I was perfect. in a different country. I won't, I was in a different country. I won't mention any countries. I was with a mentor of mine. I won't mention any names, but I was doing a hands-on class and they ripped into me in front of an audience of about 500 people for not being on time. And I remember sitting, I actually went backwards in my career. I found myself that day going backwards. And I, and I remember thinking like, I don't think I'm cut out for this industry because I wasn't on time. And it was this moment I'll never forget. I was sitting on the airplane and I was flying home and I, you know, and, and it's when I mean, obviously I continued my career, but I remember flying home thinking, are you kidding me right now? I sell bubbles. I sell shampoo. That's my job. My job is to sell shampoo and we're not saving lives out there. We're not, we're, we're dressing hair. We're dressing people's lives. We're making people feel better. And it was that moment where I started realizing that not only did I have to speak up on behalf of myself and know that I went over because I had to go over and defend myself at that moment. But most importantly, that's when I started taking my stages a lot less serious because it was like, I knew as a, as someone who was being mentored that I would never mentor like that. Like that was a life growth for me. And it's like, I think people look at experiences in their life, like, Oh my gosh, it was so bad. It's like, no, you were meant to experience that. So that way your experience will prevail differently on someone else's end. You know, it's like, at that moment, we both learned something that day. But for me, I think was probably the prevailing moment where I decided that, like, I can't always speak from here. I have to speak from here because if I don't speak from here, people won't know who I really am. So um, the gratitude part, yeah. you know, because I believe the gratitude is a superpower. So yeah. here's an opportunity. If you like what you heard today. Yeah, if you want to show your gratitude, okay, <laughs> here's what you need to do. You Give us right. a wicked, wicked good, good review. Five-star review. Five-star. Five what five does stars. that mean in French? It means wicked. Wicked. Wicked is how you say it in French. And uh, for those of you, you know, from, you know. Middle America, who maybe not speak any French. That means five stars. <laughs> five stars. Yeah. That's the way we like it. So um, also, if you're an Instagrammer, please follow us on Instagram. You can find us or connect with us mm-hmm. at 124.go on Instagram. And uh, we've been sprinkling some content on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we got a website uh, coming up. Website coming up. So on YouTube, it's 124Go Salon Education. Yeah. 124Go is all one word compiled together. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, Again, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Hope you, uh, I'm sure you got some great nuggets out of this. Uh, This is probably one you're going to want to listen to again. So anyway, thanks. And until next time, bye, everybody.
to end.